Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change and certain restrictions may apply. See new things. Try new things. Go back centuries while living in the moment. Forge new paths while discovering old ones. Pedal, paddle, and paint while trekking, tasting, and tailoring experiences that transform you into a better version of yourself. Immerse yourself in the world by activating your mind, your heart, and your body on a river cruise exclusively from Avalon Waterways. Save with limited time offers at AvalonWaterways.com. Avalon is cruising. Elevated. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Hey, and welcome to What Future? I'm your host, Joshua Topolsky, and I have to admit something to everyone listening. I've got to tell you something. It's not something I talk about a lot. It's not something that I you know, like to put out there very much. It's very private, but uh, I'm a gamer. You know, some people might not know that about me, but I like video games and I play them on a regular basis. And, uh, you know, to be honest with you, uh, I have not gotten much of a chance on this podcast to talk about my love of gaming and my status as an official gamer in the landscape of other gamers. And so I was hoping and thinking for a long time about having someone on who I could really get into it with about video games, both past, present, and future. So the man that immediately came to mind is Washington Post journalist Gene Park, who is hilarious on Twitter and other social media platforms and is super smart 
and interesting when it comes to, I would say, adult commentary on video games, uh, because there's a lot of commentary on video games. It's not that it's not adult, but it's not quite at the level that I desire my video game commentary to be. That said, there's also a lot of great video game journalism out there and a lot of great ethics in video game journalism, which I'm excited about always. So we got Gene. We said, will you do the podcast? I didn't do any of this. This is my producers. And Gene said, yes, I guess. And so we got him here to talk about games and all sorts of other stuff, but mostly about video games. So I'm very excited about this. I have a feeling that uh, we're going to connect on a deep level and uh, I want to get into it. So let's go. So first off, I think we follow each other on a variety of social networks. Have we ever met in person? No, I don't believe so. And I believe this is the first time we're actually talking face to face. So like with our with our voices. Josh, nice to meet you. Yeah, it's nice to meet you too. And I, I really love following you. I think you're a person who, first off, you're like a poster, you know, like you know how to post. <laughs> you're in a, like an you're like an original poster. I don't know how long you've been like in journalism. I think it's been a pretty long time. Like I want to say your career in journalism is mm-hmm. significantly longer than mine. When did you start like as a journalist? Well, I've been posting since high school in the mid nineties. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. So that's where my posting abilities come from. Right. Uh, I'm originally from the, the Pacific Island and American territory of Guam. Okay. And in Guam during the nineties, there was one chat room and that was where everyone who had internet on, on Guam was, was going to congregate and talk and gossip and flirt and whatever. Wow. And when I was in high school, I was the moderator of that chat room. Oh my gosh. So, wow, that's uh, interesting. Yeah, so I had the entire nation of Guam like like online like at my fingertips. Uh, it was a lot of power for for a fifteen year old. No, that's a huge amount of power. I actually have a a little bit of a similar. Well, not quite that. That's crazy. Like for all of Guam, I think that's very impressive. Uh, Pittsburgh didn't have a lot of like there was no in the mid nineties. Like there was only one. I think maybe one ISP besides like pro- things like Prodigy and um, mm-hmm. whatever the whatever there was like Prodigy and AOL and. Uh, and it was called Telerama. And I worked there as a teen in like customer support. Mm-hmm. And I also coined a great piece of ad copy for them, which was Telerama, tell your mama, which I thought was frankly <laughs> an incredible stroke of genius. Anyhow, but uh, I get it. I was online at a very young age, way too young. I think I was on the, the first time I was actually on the internet. I was like 12. Yeah. I don't know how old you are. And I'm not, you know, and I'm not going to force you to tell me, but I'm 41. Okay. Oh, you're a little younger than me. I'm 45. And so mm. it's, I've been online for a long time. Anyhow, I'm not even sure I was online in 12. So you were yeah. online longer and you've been alive longer too. So I've, I have been alive longer. That is a fact. You can't, it's irrefutable <laughs> unless you talk to like RFK Jr. who will tell you that's wrong. <laughs> and here's why. Uh, but to answer your original question, I started journalism right after college. Um, I graduated right. College in 2003, and I went back to Guam to work at the paper there, and that's how long I've been working. So 20, 20 years, years yeah. so like 20 years. Yeah. So I think that's probably. I mean, I really started like blogging in 2006, 2007, mm-hmm. like is when I really started. So like at Engadget. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah. anyhow, long and short is you're great at posting, and I like following you. I've been obviously like Twitter now sucks and is horrible, and we all want to leave it as soon as humanly possible, but. One thing that you do that I really enjoy is you engage with people, which is great. I mean, you know, like obviously can sometimes be to your detriment, but like, you know, you will, you know, answer people who are, I feel like kind of being like asses or, or at least respond to them in some way. 
because there are a lot of asses on on Twitter. And, and you also like just talk about stuff and like you post stuff that's like very like real and honest about like, you know, personal stuff, but also like your thoughts on the industry like that you cover. And so I enjoy it. And I followed you for a long time. And it's always strange, like to like finally like talk to a person who you think, you know, you think I think I know mm-hmm. you like I've, I know a bunch of stuff about you. I'd like know your work. But we don't really know each other. We don't know what could happen here. A lot of people have met me in real life and they would pretty much say, yeah, you seem to be expect what I expected. Um, and that's what I hope for. Uh, I'm an elder millennial, right? Like you. So, yeah. Or you, I guess you're Gen X. I'm Gen X. Uh, yeah, I'm just right on the cusp of like Gen X and millennial, I guess, right? Um, yeah. But uh, I have no energy to to put up a persona online. You know, right. I can't be another character online. You know, yeah. The character that you see is the character that you get. I'm, if I seem loud, I'm actually loud in real life. If I seem a little shy, and that's when I feel like being shy in real life. Right. It's pretty much what what you expect. So. Yeah. No, I think that's actually like. Um, I think that is a generational thing to some extent. I feel that very strongly. It's actually very hard, and in fact, the producers of the show will tell you. I think there's a, a little slight like frustrating element of I'm like not self-promotional and I don't like to um, affect a vibe of, a, of whatever it is I'm not actually feeling, you know, and like hmm. it's interesting joining all these new social networks now, you know, trying to like play around with them like Blue Sky and Mastodon and now obviously Threads. Mm-hmm. I'm like, OK, what do I want to post here? Honestly, lately, a lot of it is like, mm. I don't want to, I don't want to post anything. I kind of don't feel like engaging. It's like, God, the idea of like, I don't know. Are you on threads? You must be. I think I follow you. I am on threads. Actually, we probably follow each other. I'm not really active there right now, but. Right. Are you like, oh God, now I have to like do threads. Like, is that a thing that you feel daunted by? Yeah. I'm before I cover video games, I've only been covering video games for three years. So uh, just, just to be clear, a lot of people think that I've been in in, in the games industry for a long time or covering the beat for a long time. You've only been doing it for three years. It's only been three years, just like two and a half years. Wow. Uh, But before that, I was a social media and audience editor at the Washington Post. And uh, part of the reason why I'm glad I'm not in that job anymore is because I can't keep up with all these platforms anymore. You know, right. TikTok is one that I've just given up on. Like, it's a completely different language. Again, I like you would need to be a different persona uh, for that platform. Well, yeah, and you have to like produce video for it. Like, that's the problem for me is like, I don't, I don't know. I just don't want to like have to make a video. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Being self-promotional on video too, right? Yes. No, I, it's very cringe. In my, in my opinion, there's just a high level of cringe. Now you and I may have a different like radar for cringe. Mm-hmm. We may think things are cringy as we might've referred to them at, a, at an earlier era. Now they've just shortened it. They're just taking off letters, but I see a lot of stuff and I see people who are like, you know, some people who are like contemporaries of mine, not that many, certainly around this age, but, and I'm like, Ooh, like, I don't, like, I wouldn't post that. Like personally, like that doesn't feel like a thing I'd do. Yeah, man, me too. Uh, I have a lot of friends my age on TikTok and I'm watching them and I'm like, I don't know if I really like your content and I don't know if it really works. No, it's, 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 I wouldn't tell them this to their face, but I'm, I'm a little embarrassed, you know? Right. Right. No, though, it's, so it's wild when you like see somebody that you know pretty well and then you see them on TikTok and like, you're like, oh. Yeah. And it's like, I know you don't do these dances in real life, you know? Right. It's like, I got to like this now, like, because otherwise it's going to seem really weird. Like, you know, it's like, yeah, you don't want to bring it up. But um, anyhow, so you're good. You're good at posting. I'm actually very curious now. I thought for some reason you've been covering games longer. I think perhaps it is because I feel like your voice on it is very authoritative. I think like hmm. you have really interesting commentary and sort of like a, a perspective on gaming that I find to be, you know, 
I mean, I think, I assume it goes without saying that you're a lifelong gamer. Am I, am I correct in uh, understanding that? Yeah, thanks for saying that. Um, it's funny that you say that because uh, earlier today, I actually did a training with a bunch of our Washington Post interns. One of my biggest pieces of, of advice, well, they were asking me why I sound so authoritative. And part of that is because of my long history of just reporting in other topics, crime, courts, local city council, state government, transportation, education, right? a lot of factual-based stuff. Um, so I was able to like really strengthen my writing voice in that way. And also, plus, I'm a lifelong gamer. So if I'm authoritative on <laughs> right. something like fucking traffic or something, imagine how authoritative <laughs> I might sound if it's something that I actually like and have been liking and doing for since I was six years old, you know? Right. I think there's part of it is 100% what you just said. It's like you have this experience in all these other places where like, and, you know, I think this is one of the things that's been lacking in gaming for so long is like taking it seriously. Like, it's like, this is serious. Like, it, it's important. Like, I think gaming is really important. I think it's like the most exciting, like newest art form that exists and there's nothing else like it in the world. And like mm -hmm. to have the perspective to report on it well and to talk about it thoughtfully, I think what you've done previously clearly like adds to it anyhow so obviously i think you're great i've been just been a compliment fest for the whole beginning of this we can talk about this decision with microsoft and activision mm -hmm. pretend somebody's listening to this and they have no idea what's going on with microsoft and activision and like the legal system that is like trying to regulate what they're doing could you like explain it in a very simple way sure sure so microsoft has the xbox division which which you know, creates the games and makes the game consoles. Um, and Xbox has been kind of struggling in terms of producing content uh, to feed that ecosystem. Uh, right now, Xbox wants to be uh, the quote-unquote Netflix of games. So they have a, a service called Game Pass where you subscribe for at least or at most $15 a month and at, le at least it's a dollar a month, depending on what kind of deals you get. You get access and you're able to download a smorgasbord of, of video games, probably about 200, a, rot a rotating library of video games, and you just get to play them. For a dollar a month? Yeah, it, 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 could be, it could be as low as a dollar a month if you just like, buy it at Xbox and you like use a free coupon mm. like in the box or whatever. That's a good deal. It could be a dollar, it could be five bucks. <laughs> I, I, don't know. I think out. they ra actually raised it to two bucks now. So, you know. Oh no. Oh no. Well, that's not bad. <laughs> right. Okay. So it's like an all you can eat, like it's like games you can stream and download. You can stream right? and download. Yeah. I mean, that's the difference between this and Netflix is that like you can actually download the games and it'll be in your hardware. Uh, you won't own it. Right. You, you, have, you, you can still buy it, which is a nice thing. You can't really buy Stranger Things off Netflix, right? Like everything on Netflix is like you're leasing it for the duration that you view it and then yeah. it goes back into the back to their servers or whatever. Exactly. So. About a year and a half ago, Microsoft announced that, well, they've been on an acquisition, acquisition spree where they've been buying video game studios up. Um, and their last big acquisition was Bethesda Game Studios, uh, which they acquired for $7 billion. And these are the guys who make the Elder Scrolls games. Uh, I'm sure mo many of your listeners know the game Skyrim. Um, Fallout. Fallout, right? And then the upcoming one of my favorite Fallout 3. Starfield yeah. coming up this fall, oh, right? right? Um, and then so Microsoft announced about a year and a half ago that they were going to buy uh, Activision Blizzard King, 
for the tune of $69 billion. Easily the biggest gaming uh, acquisition ever. The, the biggest te- tech acquisition. Is, is that right? It's the biggest tech acquisition ever? Yeah, yeah. And that's actually said in the, in the, in the decision. Uh, but then there's, of course, like, you know, Disney buying Fox. And that was like a hundred over $100 billion, I believe. And then AT&T right, buying right. Warner, which was also just like a little bit bigger. So uh, it's right. definitely in, on that scale. I think it's probably like the sixth or seventh biggest acquisition of all time. That's crazy. And then so an acquisition that big would uh, fall under a lot of uh, regulatory uh, scrutiny. So various different regulatory bodies around the world are, are looking at the deal and they've mostly approved it. I think it's basically 39 countries that approved it. Right. Right now, the only one pending is the UK um, with their competitive <laughs> markets authority and uh, the FTC. So the FTC uh, filed suit for a preliminary injunction, basically a temporary restraining order on the deal uh, to stop it basically uh, signing antitrust concerns. Right. Uh, FTC Commissioner Lena Khan, you know, has built her career on, on antitrust legislating. And this was a big deal for her. Yeah, so they, the FTC tried to sue Microsoft. Uh, they, had, they had hearings in San Francisco federal court for the last few weeks. And yep. uh, the judge decided against the FTC and basically <laughs> said, there's no reason to hold this, to, this, uh, this up and we can go, go, we can go into those reasons more later if you want. Right. But uh, that's basically what happened. So it seems yeah. pretty clear a uh, green light for the deal to go ahead. And the deal is supposed to close July 18th. Right. The, the FTC is, there's some, or have they already countered, or sorry, appealed or, or yes. are going to appeal? Others, they have already appealed? Yeah, they appealed. But, you know, as my, my understanding is that's just procedural and also, you know, appeals right. rarely ever win, you know, so. So Activision Blizzard King, is that the full name of the business? Is that correct? Mm-hmm. The King part is important because the King part is the one that makes Candy Crush. That's a real moneymaker along with Call of Duty, you know. <laughs> Is Candy Crush really like? Is it? Is it? I haven't like looked at these numbers in a while. It's it's still popular, man. right? Okay, wow, interesting. <laughs> yeah. They don't, yeah, look, I mean, I, I listen. I think like when you get right down to it, there's only a few things that really stick on on a phone. Like there's really in the history, like when it when it comes to like this shit, like there's going to be a few things, and it's going to be like yeah, like Candy Crush will just be there forever. Yeah, Candy Crush is still popular, but a lot of people don't really talk about it. It's like ketamine. Like you don't really understand yeah. <laughs> like like how prevalent it is until you, you see someone right. using it and you're like, oh, okay, people are still doing this. Okay, <laughs> till you get a bump and you're like, hey. <laughs> Actually, this is terrific. Why am I, why am I doing this all the yeah, time? Yeah, that's what the K stands for in ABK, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so they make Candy Crush. They make the Call of Duty series, which is a very, very popular propaganda for the U.S. military. <laughs> yeah, um, perhaps, perhaps the single most effective piece of propaganda that has ever been created in service of of convincing people that the U.S. military rocks. Not saying that mm-hmm. the military is bad, but I think the military industrial complex Mm-hmm. is not great you know just generally speaking but anyhow um call of duty what else do they make what i mean give me another do they make uh what's the new diablo, diablo is that theirs? Uh, that's on the blizzard right. side and they make world of warcraft which i'm sure a lot of people know okay. uh that was a phenomenon of a couple of years ago it used um, to be popular but now it's waned slightly yeah activision also owns uh crash bandicoot um <laughs> of course the lucrative crash bandicoot franchise yeah. and they also own uh, the tony hawk video games too so all right, Tony Hawk. That's but you know, kind of honestly. Kinda, so here's where where's where I'm getting. Like, yes, these games are obviously very well known, successful, huge money makers. But mm-hmm. even with all of those titles, I don't know. And even with Bethesda, like Sony still seems to have like the better games. And my understanding is that part as part of this deal, they're not saying like we're not going to release Call of Duty for the PlayStation. Right. In fact, like they kind of have to make some kind of commitment to 
releasing mm-hmm. those games eventually, right? Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, they they did have to commit to that, and it, they've also said that it would make monetary sense to continue to make it because you know what I think one of the biggest audiences for Call of Duty is on PlayStation, so they would probably lose money if they, right. if they decided to to stop it. So. So, so yeah, so, like, and there's a lot of publishers that have a lot of really popular games, I guess, like, you know, on the Sony side, like, Sony as a, as a publisher in and of itself, it's probably responsible for some of the most popular titles, and, like, I don't know, like, I guess, does Sony also own a bunch of studios? Like, I actually don't remember. They, they do. Yeah. They most notably, they own uh, Naughty Dog, uh, the makers of Last of Us. Oh, yeah. Uh, bought uh, quite right. a while ago, I think, during the PlayStation 3 era, they made the Uncharted games, which is basically... You know, millennial Indiana Jones, right? Oh, yes. And then they own uh, Insomniac Games, uh, and they're currently very popular for their Spider-Man games, which are fantastic. Right. They're, they're amazing. They're really good. They're really good. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy... And starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So, buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So, how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less, like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic, oracle.com slash strategic. 
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Okay, so they're trying to buy Activision. Activision, uh, Blizzard King makes all these games, including Candy Crush. The FTC says, look, this is an antitrust situation. This is a monopolistic Mm -hmm. acquisition, right? Is that the idea? Like, by buying a company this large and attaching it to where you already have all these other businesses that are producing huge franchises, you threaten the potential of the fair market here or something? Is that correct? Yeah, pretty much. And I think there's an argument to be made about, you know, the fact that it's Microsoft that, that's doing it. Microsoft, that's the fourth largest company in the world that already has its finger its, its fingers in so many different pies already. Right. Now it wants to dominate the video game space, which is definitely not. And that was probably what helped Microsoft the, Microsoft's case the most. The fact that it is right. a struggling brand uh, in, the, in the video game market. Right. Like comparatively, I guess the PlayStation brand and Sony's gaming efforts are more successful. Yes. And Nintendo, I mean, Nintendo is, I would guess, way more successful in terms of, I mean, they strike me as being the most successful video game company. I think they probably had the highest profits. I don't know if they had the highest revenues, but I think in terms of profits, right. they are. This is actually something we'll get into this because I do want to talk about Nintendo for a, a minute and we'll get into that. But just to just to kind of like, you know, cap this off. So it seems like it's going to go through. I guess, like, my feeling is I, I'm always loath to side with, with, like, a huge corporation over something. There's no good guys. There's no real good guys in the story. So. No, there's no good guys. I mean, I just feel like, well, first off, it's like, you know, what is the goal? Why is it necessary? I guess if you're not going to limit the release of these games for other platforms, which it sounds like they're claiming they're not going to, does it even serve their goal to, I guess it does, because there's all kinds of other things you can do, like, licensing and ip stuff and like uh, yeah i guess the problem with microsoft is that it's been very very bad at managing intellectual property you know yeah so you see mario and mario just came out with a movie this year and it's actually the 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 biggest box office blockbuster of the year yeah insane uh that comes from nintendo building and nurturing and nourishing an ip for the last 40 years so when a mario movie just comes out it, it already has an automatic worldwide huge audience. Right. Microsoft doesn't really have anything anything like that. They have Halo. They did a show. <laughs> yeah, and they did the show, which was not great. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> well, the Paramount says that it did okay, so it's like okay, I'm sure. It did. But the Halo characters are really dumb. I'm sorry. Like the who's the main guy, Master <laughs> Chief? It's a really dumb character. It's like a it's like a Marine. First off, it's like it's like a military guy, and you like d- don't see him. He's always like war he's like always talking about war like people fighting yeah he's not supposed to be anything or anybody he's supposed to be an avatar he's literally like right you're supposed to imprint yourself on this idea he's got a hood like a he's always wearing a a a mirrored mask Mm -hmm. or whatever like helmet and you're just supposed to be like this could be anybody i mean he obviously is like you know tough military bro or whatever but yeah and then the show was like actually no he's this guy and he also has sex you know so isn't isn't he, isn't he different from you oh really you know? they showed they sh- they showed his face <laughs> they show his face numerous times that that was a huge controversy <laughs> the fact that they showed that, that he can't keep his helmet on right, exactly. right? and I, I don't mind it i think it's i think it makes sense for the for the guy to keep his helmet off but it, it was a huge yeah. deal but then 
I, I like I was fine with the sh- the show until he took his it, like the rest of his armor off to have sex, and I was like, right. Okay, you think he should have kept the armor on but just removed the pelvic area of the well, armor? Well, I, I don't think he should have had sex. It completely ruins. It completely ruins. Well, Master Chief, does Master Chief not have desires? Does he not deserve love? I mean, well, I, he, you've got to ask yourself. He does. He does. But he has sex with a prisoner of war in the story. Oh, that's inappropriate. Uh, that's not cool. <laughs> like his prisoner. It's his prisoner, yeah. <laughs> I, just thought, I mean, it's consensual, but that's still not, the balance of power, you know. Okay. So. Yeah, I feel like that's not a good way to start a relationship. <laughs> I would, I would at least wait till they're out and free, and then if they come back and they're like, "Hey, you know what? I thought we had something while I was a prisoner," then maybe <laughs> let them take the initiative. But uh, okay, well, that raises many questions. Certainly, I now we feel like I really want to see Master Chief's face, and also hopefully his nude his body butt, yeah, like i definitely butt. am interested in yeah his butt okay master chief's butt just fully out there so i just think but as a character i'm sorry like I, you're comparing it like you're saying that's a franchise they have right sure if master chief is the most like mm-hmm. relatable character exactly. that microsoft has created it's kind of like yeah like this is sort of hits your point home right like exactly they can't they're where who's their super mario yeah you know yeah i mean you look at mario he has so much personality you know everything about him you know he's a working class hero uh you know, he likes to eat. He looks very happy. Uh, there, there's a lot you can read from him just yeah. by looking at him. And then with Master Chief, it's like, oh, he's a soldier guy. <laughs> he likes, I like you like he likes to eat. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't, actually, I don't, I know he likes to eat. He doesn't apparently like mushrooms now, according <laughs> to the, kind of the movie. If yeah. the film is canon, a lot of canon changes in the film, from what I can tell, a lot of things that are uh, introduced. I don't want to give any spoilers, but I watched the movie with my daughter, Zelda. She loved it. I've been telling people like there's a really interesting, this is as much as I'll say about it. There's a really interesting thing in the film about the Italian, about Mario's Italian accent. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's all I'll say, but I found it to be quite shocking, mm-hmm. frankly. Yeah. And I don't know if that's a controversial point that people have been talking about, but anyhow, sorry. So Microsoft sucks at IP. I totally interrupted you just to, I don't even know what, but Microsoft sucks at IP. Oh yeah, so that's why they want to acquire Activision Blizzard because it has all this other IP, you know. That makes sense. And I think like maybe they need some IP because like Sony has like really good IP. I mean, Sony has the best shit. Like The Last of Us is like, I mean, Sony and Nintendo both, but like, yeah, they've created some pretty iconic characters and brands. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, yeah, I mean, Microsoft, like why not let them take a crack at it? Like maybe... The unfair market is that they don't have any cool characters that anybody cares about. So, well, this is a comparison I've made, I've started to make recently. You think about what Microsoft is as a company and what they've always been. They've never been an entertainment company. Right. They're not a company that manages IP or culture or art. You know, <laughs> Sony has Sony Pictures. Sony's, Sony's been in music publishing uh, for, for decades. Yep. Nintendo is Nintendo, right? Of course. Nintendo, Nintendo does what Nintendo does. Yeah. Microsoft creates operating systems. Right. You know? They create software. It's the plumbing. And this is like Bill Gates. I might have cited this on a recent podcast, but Bill Gates famously, there's an interview with him where he talks about how like, they don't want to be the stuff you see. They want to be the plumbing. And like, that's exactly what Microsoft mm-hmm. has created, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not the character up top. It's not, like every character they create, Clippy, huge failure. They tried to be like personable with the Zune. The Zune was like, had a lot of character, but everybody hated it. Exactly. Like, uh, I'm trying to think of other Microsoft characters. There's not a lot. Yeah, I mean, there's a Windows phone, you know, doesn't really have a lot of personality there too you know no horrible 
I mean, I, I mean, I actually like the Windows Phone interface, but it was just a bunch of squares. Yeah, I've heard it was really yeah, good. It's so fun. I have, I have, I, and I like the Windows interface too. I mean, I'm using it right now, Xbox. Yeah. And that's the thing about the Game Pass service. It does what Microsoft does best. It's a really good service. It's a really good online service. It, 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 it I think it, it could be used by everyone, you know, for very much like what Microsoft products have been. Right. But there's just nothing creative there that's really fueling it, you know? Yeah. So they need to plug in like essentially like your netflix analogy is like netflix only got really rose to its like crazy success in the period when they started making original content and they started to have these like cards, yeah, yeah. huge franchises that were like everybody had to see and like in order i guess this is really the idea right they're using this model like if you look at the netflix model it's like you make stranger things and house of cards and there are other ones I can't think of right now. I don't know, Bird Box. I don't fucking know. But, you know, like, if you make these things that everybody's like, you got to see it, and you can only see it on your platform, mm-hmm. that's a match made in Squid heaven, right? Squid Game, remember last year, too, right? Yeah, Squid Game, right. I mean, sort of in a way, very Apple, right? Where it's like the software, the hardware, and it's all, like, walled off. Like, you can only get it in this experience or whatever. But it's, it's, mono- it's like a monopoly of ecosystems, right? Like, everybody wants you in their system and in their world and wants to like wants you to pay for it and wants to give you the best stuff so you never leave Mm -hmm. or give you stuff that you want so you never leave i mean it makes a lot of sense in that regard but like they're gonna need a lot more than just like a couple of game companies right like microsoft yeah wouldn't they need like a lot of of ip to really make that like like sony produces like like the spider-man ip is theirs right like they have spider-man and that's like the first party thing that they're producing like I, a lot of synergy with the movies and the game too yeah right exactly yeah it's interesting i mean it makes sense for them i mean xbox is i i had a series x and i uh is that the new one series x that was called yeah that's a, that's a new one i had it i had it and i had i never opened it and i we ended up doing like a giveaway with it at one of my in one of my websites because oh, nice. i was like yeah I have a PC and I have a PlayStation, the PlayStation Five, and I'm you like don't need an Xbox. If you have a decent PC, you're fine. Yeah, I have a my PC kicks ass. I, I literally like built my PC in preparation for Cyberpunk 2077. That's a whole other. Oh man, uh, I love that game. Yeah, I love that game too. Only Elden Ring has topped my playtime on a game. Oh, totally. I've actually only recently done the thing that I think people normally do, where you actually I probably played Fallout Three more than both of those games, but that's a mm. That's at a time when I wasn't paying attention. I have a huge affinity for Fallout 3. When I first moved to DC yeah. in 2015, the first thing, the very first thing I did when I moved to DC was I put on my my heads, my headphones and I walked around listening to the Fallout 3 soundtrack just to kind yes, of dude. relive that experience in real life. It was, it was awesome. Because Fallout 3, for people who don't know, it takes place in a post-apocalyptic Washington, DC. So I'm walking around the city. I'm like, wow, it really is like the game, you know? Yeah, it has like really pretty like well-crafted map points that are like if you if you go to DC like and look at them they're like oh yeah like that's exactly what it looks like but in Fallout obviously totally. they even recreated the metro system yeah too. It's no it's awesome and and I mean I spent so much time playing Fallout three and and mm-hmm. anyhow okay so so right but Fallout three that uh, that is a, that's a long time ago but yeah no um Cyberpunk this is we could talk about that for 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 hours but that's true <laughs> I mean we really we really could but yeah like let's talk about Nintendo for a second. Because it is interesting to me, like when they announced the Wii, mm-hmm. first off, like there was a period where Nintendo kind of wasn't, and maybe I'm, maybe this is just my perception of it, but I feel like there was a period like post SNES mm-hmm. or SNES as some people might refer to, which I, I think is wrong, but you know, whatever, um, to each his own. There was, I felt like there was a period where there was like, yes, Nintendo was releasing game systems and they were doing okay, but they, none of them really seemed to be like, 
the thing that everybody played. I feel like it was like when the PlayStation, when PlayStation mm-hmm. came into existence, everybody's attention shifted to PlayStation. And like all the people I knew and all the people that I gamed with were like, we were playing like Metal Gear and like oh, yeah. whatever that first gen, you know, like Silent Hill and all that stuff. And it was like, mm-hmm. we were like, oh, okay, this is it. This is the next thing. And I feel like for a while there, Nintendo wasn't that competitive with them. Is that, by the way, is that my perception or is that no, like... That's, that's true. And, you know, if for people who don't know, that was an issue of format. Uh, Nintendo didn't want to use CDs as uh, the medium to deliver games. Whereas PlayStation, which originally developed the PlayStation for Nintendo until Nintendo decided, nah... <laughs> crazy that's why the sony decided to say okay well we made we made this whole video game system with cds we might as well just release it and call it the playstation and that's what <laughs> happened and it was really a, a an issue of format so like you know final fantasy 16 just came out but final fantasy 7 came out on the playstation because it had the cd format they could not make final fantasy 7 right. or metal gear solid on the nintendo 64 which was in a very limited cartridge format totally there's not a lot of space for audio there's not a lot of space for video there's not a lot of memory space for like 3D 3D imagery, whereas the PlayStation did. Right. So, and this was also at a time when CD-ROMs were very prevalent, mm-hmm. like in the computing world. It wasn't like it was a weird new format that nobody had ever heard That's of. True. It was like very common if you were a computer user to encounter like the Encarta CD mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, like or whatever it is you we put on CDs. So like, yeah, that's interesting. But Nintendo's all, this is sort of what I was going to get to is that they they are always doing this thing where they're like rejecting the kind of status quo. Like they're rejecting this idea. Like I think there was a real conceit across the board in the video game industry at that time because I feel like that was right around the era of like 3DO mm-hmm. and Jaguar, which actually was cartridge based, but I think it had a CD adapter. Yeah, yeah. Turbo Graphics <laughs> was probably, it's like last, the generation before it, my favorite game system, the Turbo Graphics, uh, also known as the PC Engine. Yeah. But that had a CD adapter. And like I think, and then eventually the Turbo Duo, which was just a, a single unit with the CD, but in the Sega CD, obviously. And there was a real like conceit amongst all of the, seemingly all of the companies that like CDs were the thing and you needed to go to CD. And Nintendo was like, no. We're not going to do that. Mm -hmm. And then they did actually, God, now that I'm thinking it's so weird, they're so fucking weird. Then they released, what is it? The N64? Mm Mm-hmm. That was a cartridge. That, 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 that was that wasn't when I used cartridge, and that was the beginning. No, that was cartridge. That was right? the that beginning was the one, that's of their kind of floundering period. That's Goldeneye, basically. right? That's like the Goldeneye yeah, era. Goldeneye too. Yeah. And so like it had it had yeah. great amazing games like Goldeneye, obviously right. Mario Kart, Mario yeah. Party, Smash Brothers debuted on that on that system too. Well, their thing was like their their idea there was like we're not going to do CDs. The games are going to be way less complex mm-hmm. in a way. But the whole thing with that was we think more people should play. Yeah. It was like a group thing, right? Because it had four controller inputs on the front instead of the normal two that you saw on every other system, right? It did. This is, as I as we talk about, it, it's actually like my mind is going back to like all this weirdness. Nintendo's always like, oh, everybody's doing CDs, so we don't care about that. But what we think might be interesting is like, what if four people could play instead of two? Mm-hmm. And then eventually they do um, with the GameCube, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. They do three inch i want to say they do mini the mini cds am i crazy abcs yeah i don't even know what that's called <laughs> yeah. uh hold on what is it i'm just gonna google it right now mini cds mini they're called a mini cd okay <laughs> they're called a mini cd okay um and yeah this is a thing where nintendo's like hey you know what cds are cool but not the ones that hold all the stuff mm-hmm. we want the ones that hold like half as much stuff like that's our thing and so they released the gamecube which i'll admit i bought 
I definitely bought for a specific game. Like I want to say maybe it was a Resident Evil title. Yeah, yeah. But- I definitely bought a Dreamcast. I bought the Dreamcast. Oh, that was another CD-based system, the Dreamcast. Mm-hmm. I bought that to play Code Veronica. And uh, I'm really dating myself right now. Gene, you know everything. Everything I'm talking about, you're familiar with, correct? I know all the games. You have very good taste. So there's that. Yeah, thank you. Well, I, I try. I'm very, I have a very specific kind of taste. There's only a few types of games that I really enjoy, and I enjoy them heavily. I'll tell you, oh, you know what game I've probably played more of than any other game is a Dead Cells. Are you a Dead Cells player? Yeah, I love Dead Cells. Yeah. I've, I've played Dead Cells like more than I think any other game I've ever played. That's another game that's actually very Souls-like. It's like it you is. have to be good at it to enjoy it. That's a game that has the perfect mixture of you can pick it up at any time and play it, Totally. Or you can sit and do a whole session for hours and hours. But like, if you can only play for five minutes, like it's pretty enjoyable. Or you want to play for like two hours, it's enjoyable. Anyhow, okay. So Nintendo does this weird shit. And then when they announced the Wii, which was like, I don't know what year that was, 2000, God, I don't know, one? I don't know. That doesn't sound right. And it doesn't matter. They announced the Wii and I was like, this is fucking stupid. Mm -hmm. Like nobody wants this shit. Like nobody wants to like stand in their living room with these things and like pretend they're golfing or whatever. And I will say, you know, I don't rarely get things wrong. I'm usually totally right about everything, (laughs) but people fucking love the Wii, right? Like the Wii brought them back basically from this like weird gray zone into like, it became like the thing. Am I crazy again for remembering it that way? No, you're not. But this is also the time when they started releasing the Nintendo DS, which is actually right. the, well, I think the second highest uh, selling video game like machine of all time, just under the PlayStation 2. Right. Handheld. They were like handheld. Yeah. So it was yeah. a handheld market and the casual uh, market of the Wii that really kind of, you know, relifted their fortunes basically uh, for the rest of the century. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. Okay, anyhow, but so the thing with Nintendo is the Switch. This is where I'm getting to, by the way. Mm -hmm. I know, I swear I had a point. It's a long-winded way of getting there. The Switch is like, again, they announced it, and I was like, uh, I don't know. Like, why? Like, it's like underpowered. It's like really underpowered. Mm -hmm. Like, even when they announced it, it was like, oh, it only does 720. Right, that was a big thing. Yeah. It doesn't even do full HD. It only does, and, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it is only 720 max, right? On the handheld device, yeah. It could go up to 1080 on, on the screen, on the TV, which is decent. So right, that's right. Definitely not 4K. It can't hit 4K at all, so. No, well, there was a lot of controversy about them even doing eight, like HD. I remember there was, I feel like there was some era where like they wouldn't, like the Wii wasn't HD. No, yeah, the Wii was not H HD. I think that only went up to four, I think they only went up to like 480i, and then the Wii U was the first yeah, actual HD. I completely forgot system. about the Wii U. And and let me say something. I just connected mine back up actually uh, just the other day, dude. So I found mine in a box like a, a month ago, and I was like, I should put this. I should hook this back up. So I bought the Wii U because of Zombie U. Yeah, that's a great game. Which I thought looked like the <laughs> dopest fucking game in the world. And I have to say, to this day, one of the greatest one of the greatest games ever made, particularly on the Wii U because of the way they use mm -hmm. the, the controller. Yeah, but I've actually played it. I've actually played it on a bunch of different, like I have it on my PC and like, it's like one of the best zombie games. I feel like it has not gotten like the cred no. that it deserves or the, or the love that it deserves. We haven't given zombie U as its flowers as a culture. Cause it's, it's very good. And a hundred percent. Okay, but Wii U kind of was not successful, right? The Wii U was sort of a dud. No, it, it, it is the worst selling console of all time. <laughs> wow, really? Definitely the worst Nintendo's ever made, for sure. So. so the Switch comes out, from what I can tell, and you tell me if I'm wrong, because I feel like you probably know these numbers. It seems like it's like the like biggest selling like game console of all time or something. Am I am I crazy it's for saying that? It's number three right now. Okay. Uh so they're they're gunning to replace uh, the Nintendo DS and it seems that they're gonna hit it. Right. It's still a question of whether they're gonna hit the hundred fifty four million that the PlayStation two sold. Oh that's the biggest selling of all time? PlayStation 2 is the biggest selling of all time and, wow. and a, a big factor of that is the fact that it was the cheapest DVD player on the market at the time. So if you wanted to watch <sighs> movies at home 
That's amazing. You might as well just buy a PlayStation 2 because it's way, way... Because remember what DVD players were like 300, 400 bucks for some reason? Yes, right? I do. I definitely do remember that. I mean, That's crazy. It's crazy to think. <laughs> yeah, anyhow. But yeah, the Switch is catching up though. The Switch is catching up. Right. Uh, and it's still selling a bunch. It's selling a bunch and it's like, and it's like, it's like Nintendo does this thing that I'm like so sort of, I'm so confused by, I don't understand why it works to a degree. Like they keep going like, hey, do you like Super Mario? Like, remember that Super Mario game you loved as a kid, Super Mario 2 or whatever? They're like, we remade it. It's the same game, mm-hmm. but it's like better and it's for the new system. And people are like, oh my God, they're fucking lining up for mm-hmm. it. And that's the same thing they do with Pokemon, like all the time. They're like, hey, remember the Pokemon you loved as a mm-hmm. teen? Now you're 30 and we remade it for the Switch. <laughs> and like, it just seems like it shouldn't work. Yeah. Like, right? Like, it's like it's like the Marvel movies now. People are kind of like, eh, I'm okay. I'm like, I've seen these already. I'm good. I mean, like, I feel I, insane still playing Pokemon as a 40-year-old, you know? Yes. But, yes, yeah. but, but what's more insane is not just that you're playing it. My guess is recently, pretty recently, you've played a game that was like, a, it's a remade version of a game that you played already, right? Yeah, I mean, that's a bunch of games. So. But the Pokemon franchise in particular is like, they're always oh, like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The po- yeah, the Pokemon would, would just remake remakes, basically, you know? So Right, and you think it shouldn't work, and like, it always does, and I don't understand, like, it, like what is it about Nintendo? Mm-hmm. What is it about them that allows them to have these notions? Like, do you have any understanding of how it is they come up with these, like, weird left of center kind of ideas that just somehow like really connect with with humans i think that they always focus on the 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 concept of play so you look at zelda tears of the kingdom and other games are talking about oh how can i get powered up or how can how can i feel more powerful or i have more combos or moves and stuff like that right yeah um that's every other game whereas in zelda zelda asks you see what happens when you put this square into the square hole and see how how good that feels, you know. Right. It's basically that that old TikTok, you know. It's like now see what happens when you put the triangle in a square hole. <laughs> oh yeah! You know? Oh my god, that's a great, that's a great. Wait, is that a, is that a Vine actually? I think it was. I think it was a TikTok. It, it's it, it feels as old as a Vine for sure. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. That. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's it's a, definitely an old TikTok, but it's like very simple concepts that are very easy to understand. You know, build the seesaw, right. see how the seesaw works. So it, there, there there's right. a, a primal instinct of of they have this connection on the concept of play that I think a lot of other companies still right uh, are forgetting, and that's why they they focus so much on cartridges back then because they figured that. The loading times of the CDs would get in the way of the play because you, nobody wants to just sit around and wait until the game starts up again. Turns out we do. Yeah, but you know we do. We turns out we will pretty much spend like a pretty good segment of our lives waiting for shit to load. And it's only recently that we are now like only today really. I feel like have we gotten to a point where you can play a game pretty much the whole time and never have it load. Which is it's been over twenty years and we finally got to this point. You know, it's pretty amazing. I will say. But well, Mario's creator also says you know he says he never plays any other games. Um, so there's kind of like a tunnel vision there. At, at, like he only plays Mario? He just doesn't play games, I guess. Uh, and he just yeah, has ideas, cool. you know. Um, I, I don't know how much he is really into to making games these days because he's over 70. He mostly oversaw like the creation of like, well, the Mario movie and also the, the, the theme park in Universal Studios too. So he's been doing... You're talking about uh, Sh- Shigeru Miyamoto? Shigeru Miyamoto, the creator of Mario and Zelda. So... I I, uh, I met him at CES when I was thirteen. I, my my dad took me to CES in Chicago, and he was there. Oh man! I met him, and he signed my badge and drew Mario on it. Okay, and some I believe somewhere in my parents' house is that fucking badge, and I'm di- I would really like to find it. 
and I'm like, to get up, man. I'm like, I like, I'm not, not to sell it or something. Cause I think it would be fucking amazing, you know, like to frame or whatever. Mm-hmm. We've talked about a lot of things. I feel like I, I rambled us into some weird territory, but um, I'd like to get from you a little bit of uh pre-saging about the future of, of video games. I'll start with some simple things and, mm-hmm. and then I'll take it into a more um, complicated space. First off, are there any games that are coming out in the near future that you are particularly excited about and feel like are going to be particularly interesting or good? Uh, this is going to be an obvious answer, but I'm definitely looking forward to the next Bethesda game, Starfield. Right. Are you worried that it's going to be a No Man's Sky situation? I am worried that the game will be a lot simpler than I think it appears to be. Mm. And that's partially mm. because Fallout 4 came out and they simplified so many things from Fallout 3, which is why I still look at Fallout 3 so much more favorably. Agree. So it, they had more systems going on. It was m- much more of a role-playing game. Fallout 4 really simplified uh, uh, the, like the, the decisions you make. Uh, they used to be very multifaceted, and in Fallout 4, they became very binary. Yeah. Um, so they've been trending that way for a while, for the last decade or so. So I'm worried that Starfield is going to be the culmination of that, that trimming down of every role-playing aspect. But right. they seem to be promising a lot. But then the issue is that Todd Howard, the, the, the director of Bethesda Studios, has been a little, you know, I respect him a lot. I love him. But he's also a bit of a charlatan, you know? <laughs> and he just <laughs> well, he just says things, you know? And, and it doesn't really right. come out to be exactly true. Um, so I'm really, really fascinated and interested to see whether there are actually a thousand planets that, that the game promises that you can fly around in and explore. Yeah, see... See, when I hear that, I'm like, it's too many planets. Like, I feel like one of the problems with the game lately for me is like, there's too much going on. There's so much to do that I'm like, I I don't know what to do here. Like, there's too much, too many options, you know? Yeah. I I will say, you were talking about um, the new Zelda, uh, which is called Tears of the Kingdom, right? Is that Mm -hmm. the subtitle? Yep. I haven't played it yet because I haven't finished Breath of the Wild, which is a whole thing. I mean, I just, I never got into Breath of the Wild. I would just go to Tears of the Kingdom, honestly, first. It's fine. Really? You think I can just jump into it? What about the narrative? The story barely matters. <laughs> I think the game like barely remembers Breath of the Wild happened, and that's been kind of a meme, right? Um, where like huh. you know people are like, "Oh, where does Tears of the Kingdom fit in the timeline?" And people are like, "I don't know if it even fits in the timeline of Breath of the Wild because it barely mentions Breath of the Wild." Right. So I think you can go to Tears of the Kingdom feeling pretty good about yourself. So just go there. It's it's a much better game. Okay. All right. Well, you've. I mean, I've. I mean, I've been watching people's videos like not too much because I don't want to spoil it. But what it does, what it's doing, it looks like so much fun and so creative and like just like crazily creative i'm like god this is such a nintendo move it just feels like everybody's zigging and they zag and where they zag is just like a crazy like super fun playful thing like to your point about play by the way we forgot that microsoft owns minecraft mm-hmm. which uh or we didn't for- i forgot to mention it but that's a huge franchise for them like minecraft is like very popular right so i mean they have that it's, a, it's the best selling game of all time so. Well, there you have it. I mean, Microsoft, they're they are crushing it. But, but Minecraft and Zelda Tears of the Kingdom have a lot of, in common because, like, you know, there's so much creative aspects right, building. So, like, it, like several right. years ago, Minecraft was popular for, you know, people were, was able to actually create a working computer inside Minecraft. Right. And in Zelda, they're actually starting to do that now, too. Uh, if you are they really? At, if you look up uh, subreddit Hyrule Engineering, <laughs> Zelda players have already gone, moved on to fuse entanglement and quantum physics. No, come on. That's crazy. 
That's already happening in Zelda, you know. So I mean, that I, it was my first thought when I saw what people were doing with it. I'm like, oh, they kind of took the Minecraft concept. They did. I want to get your take on on Apple's um, on the Vision Pro. Mm. Like, obviously, there's like gaming implications. There's huge gaming implications with like any company who's doing VR. Give me like your take on that, and I guess maybe more broadly, like VR, and if you think that's like actually where gaming is headed. VR is interesting because people have been trying to, to have it for a long time and try to make it happen. Um, I keep going back to this VR conference I attended in, in California several years ago. And this was around the time when the Nintendo Switch and Breath of the Wild came out, Zelda Breath of the Wild. Mm. And it was interesting to see all these VR creators and CEOs of VR companies. And they explicitly reference Zelda. They, they 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 were especially fascinated by the fact that Zelda and the Nintendo Switch were selling one to one. Every copy of the of Zelda would come with a Nintendo Switch and vice versa. Right, and they were fascinated by that, and they were jealous of it. They were like, "We're trying to sell VR hardware, but we have no software that 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 is as compelling <laughs> as a Zelda." To move actual right. hardware to get consumers to to buy, spend hundreds of dollars on hardware and 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 adjust their living space around it, and they, they haven't found that. And I feel like that's that's still where VR is. Right. That said, I I'm really really excited for the Apple Vision Pro. I'm a huge Apple fan. Uh, I I have so many different Apple products, and I've just really leaned into the wall garden aspect of Apple. Um, I'm I'm enjoying it, and if I could <laughs> afford it, I would totally get get a Vision Pro. Um, after d- that press conference happened and, and with Apple, uh, I was walking around the Washington Post newsroom asking various people uh, of knowledge or uh, management, uh, so what is our Apple Vision Pro strategy? Because we're, we're, we're getting some for the office, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Are you? Are you actually? Nobody said anything. <laughs> I think you could make it happen. I mean, you could definitely like, it. Li- someone's getting it for review there, right? Like yeah, for sure. For sure. And then we have like a bunch of VR headsets around because like, you know, the Washington Post has played with VR and AR like storytelling. Uh, I think we kind of gave up right. on that for a while, but you know. Well, that's because it was a gimmick and everybody was kind of like, it's exactly. not really. So, I mean, I'm sure people are watching the Vision Pro and wondering like, like, do we need Apple to have, to make VR a thing? I don't know. But, but I think I think your point is actually really well taken. It's how, you know, I've thought about a lot of this, having tried a ton of these things. I mean, I have lots of issues with their concept of how to do it. But like my big one is actually what you said, which is like, what's the thing? What's the app or the game or the experience that's so compelling that you will put this thing on and like tune out the world and go like totally immersive mm-hmm. in into it? And like, I just think nobody has established like I've played some very compelling and very immersive stuff. Like I think some of the Star Wars stuff they did for uh, like with the quest mm-hmm. uh, was really, really cool. And I told people, I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Like you should check it mm-hmm. out. It's super fun. But like to invest like a significant amount of time or energy into that, like, did, well, first off, VR makes me nauseous. So like I have to take Dramamine to use it. It makes me sick. So there's also like that hurdle. Yeah. Like when I played Half-Life Alex uh, on the Steam VR incredible game i've never experienced anything like it like i would probably think that that's probably the closest thing to an actual killer app where like anyone interested in video games should absolutely try that out but it was so realistic that i was nauseous for about two hours you know oh wow like that's interesting because i bought that game with the intention because obviously it's half-life i bought that game with the intention of like i'm going to play this i just need to like get the headset and like hook it up and whatever and i've never i've kind of just been like well i'm not going to get into that and so i've avoided it completely but i wouldn't just buy one just for it and that's the problem you know (laughs) So. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's that is the problem in a nutshell. Okay, Gene, uh, you, I gotta let you go. Unfortunately, this is super fun. You definitely got to come back. 
and frankly, we can talk about it, probably a lot of stuff, but the gaming stuff is so interesting to, to hear somebody with like your history and experience. It's just like really fun to get your perspective on it. So thank you so much for doing this and, you know, come back soon. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And I'd love to be back soon. Thanks so much. Well, Gene's great. I love Gene, I got to say. And I don't know that I've ever had in recent memory a conversation that was quite that nerdy and in the weeds, frankly, about the weird video games that I that I like. I do feel extremely good because Gene said that I had good taste in video games. And I think coming from him, that's a massive compliment. So that gives like for my ego, that's a great boost. Very exciting stuff. Anyhow, that is our show for this week. We will be back next week with more What Future. And as always, I wish you and your family the very best. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. See new things. Try new things. Go back centuries while living in the moment. Forge new paths while discovering old ones. Pedal, paddle, and paint while trekking, tasting, and tailoring experiences that transform you into a better version of yourself. Immerse yourself in the world by activating your mind, your heart, and your body on a river cruise exclusively from Avalon Waterways. Save with limited time offers at AvalonWaterways.com. Avalon is cruising. Elevated. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.